You have a responsibility to speak recklessly. Otherwise, my kids may never know what reckless talk sounds like. The joys of being wrong. Hello and welcome. I'm Gina B. and this is the Stories We Tell in Bars podcast. Our opening shot today is a little bit different, a bit off book from our usual format. Instead of reading something that one of us wrote, I'm quoting Dave Chappelle from his new Netflix special, The Bird Revelation. We're quoting him because today we're going to talk about it and all things modern stand-up comedy. And before we get into the happy hour portion of the show, let me introduce our cast of characters. We've got DJ Lee Farmer here. He's providing our music and making us sound good. And we've got my stories we tell in bars co-host Jen Lancaster. Hey, Jen here. Hello. Okay, before we start, I have to say that I feel like Dave Chappelle is a secret that you all have been keeping from me. You have been hoarding him. You have been bogarting the Chappelle from me. What do you mean, you all? Are you calling me you people? Yes. No, wait. <laughs> That's offensive. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's world famous and he has been for decades, so no one's been keeping him a secret. Well, specifically, no one told me that he is the smartest, most fearless man in comedy. Honestly, I, I thought he just did stoner humor like back in the day, but I am, I am so on board now. I am so on the Chappelle ship. <laughs> yes, or sometimes you're so hesitant to adapt. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to disagree. Like, I had to finally turn 50 to realize it's okay to go out on a school night. Better late than never. Anyway, if if you're new here to Stories We Tell in Bars, um, our podcast topics range from life to liberty, but are generally about our pursuit of bullshit. Which is pretty much the kinds of stories we tell if we were out drinking. Right, right. Now, for our regular listeners, welcome back. Thanks to everyone who's been listening to us, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, iHeartRadio, probably other places. I don't know. Now, Gina, you and I have a very special announcement. It's a bit of a game changer for those of you who've been listening. We do? Yeah. Yeah. And it totally dovetails into why we're talking about stand-up comedy today. Now, this might come as a surprise to you guys, but uh, Gina and I have gone over to the dark side. We've become Team Millennial. Well, you said we've gone for the dark side. I've been dark for a while, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to believe, right? We're even joining our Millennial buddies tonight for dinner after this show. What do we tape? On a school night. It's like we, specifically me, have lost our minds over the hiatus. Gina, let's let's explain how this came to pass. Okay, well, first of all, let me just be clear that I go out on school nights all the time. Not me. I have been for years. But anyway, so we decided, we, Jen and I, decided... This was your idea. This was all you. I can't take credit for okay. this. Well, I brought it up and you quickly jumped on sure. board. Quickly. So I, to give you a little history... I've been in and out of Second City for a long time, years. I have the equivalent of a master's degree in comedic sketch writing because I stayed in that program for a little over a year. That's and super I, cool. I've always loved it. It's the most um, supportive, uh, great environment where you meet such smart people. They're and all going to be different. This is where like everybody you love in comedy essentially filtered through Second City. I mean, just look at, like, we walk through the halls and we see the pictures of all the alumni, like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Steve um, Corral and uh, Stephen Colbert, the and then before that, the, like Belushi and and Bill Murray and uh, uh, Chris Farley, like everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, everyone's been there, and it's it's such a great experience. They've expanded their training center tremendously, and so they have a lot of classes. See, I didn't know that they did anything but improv. So you're like, hey, right. do you want to take a stand-up comedy class? I'm like, 
I think that would make us better podcasters. Yeah. Because you know? remember, well, at one point you thought about it, but it was going to be in the burbs. I was like, yeah, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Do it down to Second City. It's going to be a better experience. And it's been such a great experience um, so far. It, I We've been through one whole level. Uh, um, and we're doing it again. Yeah, we, we're, we're we've two. signed up for the second level because not only because we enjoy doing it so much is because we met all of these kids that we just we adore yeah you know yeah and they I mean everyone ranges in age some of them aren't kids some of them aren't kids but yeah. the millennial ones are the ones that we really uh have been they, they just brighten our day well uh, here's the thing they give me <laughs> an entirely new perspective on everything uh-huh. and um like yesterday uh or when I went to the battery store and then when I went to the grocery store, I'm like, wow, my life is boring today. I'm looking forward to seeing the kids tomorrow mm-hmm. to, to, to remind me that I'm not 80 years old. Right. I'm obsessed with the battery store. You know that. Yeah. I'm because they're so that. nice there because I think the only people nice that, well, the only people that come in are old people that are getting their hearing aids. So I think that they're yelled at by old people all day. So when you come in and you're just like, hey, can you put a battery into the watch? They're like, yes, we would love to. Oh my God. Okay. So. But anyway, my point is, we are taking this class. We we love it. it. It's so great. Um, Yeah. I can't say enough good things. It's been fun. And that's why we are going to toast to our classmates tonight. So, Jen, why don't you tell everyone (laughs) what you're drinking? (sighs) Again, it's New Year, healthy. I'm drinking ice mountain water that came because we actually got subscribe to the water service oh so me too that's yeah. right that's right we we totally okay yeah i'm drinking the same thing so you've got both of us completely sober yeah. doing this podcast so i apologize in advance for my sobriety yeah yeah so let's raise our glasses to all of our fabulous millennial friends and the perspectives they provide us and and, and the things that they say like there was one line that was said over the course of the class um Someone was talking about going to Whole Foods and saying, was that, was that Kevin was or Max? Max. It was Max. Okay. Yeah. He went to Whole Foods and was having a conversation with the cashier. And the cashier said, hey, can you believe the price of bananas? And he said, well, no. I am not familiar with the ebbs and flows of the banana economy. And that's one of those lines that's going to stick out in my head for the rest of my life. That so, is it. Well, the one that sticks out in my head for the rest of it is, is, <laughs> is when one of them actually <laughs> called us colored people. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, but <laughs> she didn't mean to. She and didn't it mean came, to, like, but these, it was so funny. These kids are so sweet. They're so woke. And, yeah, that was unfortunate. Did you say woke? Okay. I did say woke. What, so what would you call them? I don't know. I like no. I I didn't say that as a pejorative. I I think they're adorable. So cheers to them. Now we're going to come back for the binge portion of our show, where we're going to discuss all things stand up comedy, right after a quick break. After these messages. Hey, Gina B. here with my co-host and cohort, Jen Lancaster, and this is the Stories We Tell in Bars podcast. We are welcoming you back to the binge portion of our show, where we would be remiss if we didn't tell you about our very first (laughs) comedy class, because damn <laughs> like the rest of the classes were amazing but gina and i had to do oh a makeup class because she was like she was in amsterdam you and that was milwaukee. so cool uh, yeah and i was in milwaukee so sexy so gina what, what what were your impressions of that first class well we get there and 
we were waiting. Well, first of all, we had to figure out where to go. It was confusing. It was super confusing. The building is confusing, though. It's the like an Escher painting. The whole second city is, is just insane. Like, you're up and down stairs, etc. So There are all these half floors. Exactly. With- the building was... Second City didn't originally occupy all of it, so they had to retrofit it mm. to accommodate their expansion. So you oh, that makes sense. end up with this weird kind of hodgepodge of styles and floors. So anyway, finally we find the classroom. And there's there's a, a roster on it mm-hmm. where you can see everyone's name. And somebody had um, – there were, there were a couple of, of names that were like uh, East – East Asian. Yeah. You know, and we were trying to like figure out who's who. And then there's this guy standing there in like, like super, super long nerdy coat. And he has a big suitcase. And I'm like, oh. On wheels. On wheels. I'm like, there's the ventriloquist dummy in that thing. I just know it. Yeah, she said Jesus that Christ, tell funny. me we're not in a class with a guy with a ventriloquist dummy. And he's like talking to us like, oh, we are getting ready for class. It's like this guy was just super, super, super tool. And he's like, did you bring your notebooks? Because you're going to be taking lots of notes in and, class. And we're, we're all like, like shut up, random guy. Like, yeah. like you're not funny. Yeah, he was our instructor. Yes, he was. <laughs> We were like, excuse me? You're the instructor? In, in, well, first of all, we get into the classroom with, and it was, Gina actually had us do, and this was so smart, Gina had us do the Tuesday class that took place during the day because she said the people who are in this class are people who really take it seriously. Um, You know, if we do something on like Sunday night, then those are people who are like, I've got this on my bucket list. I'd like to check it off. So I think that we ended up with like a really high caliber of people who really are taking this seriously. So the whole class, the class was like almost all men except for just a couple of women in it. And, um, and remember, it was right before Halloween. Was it Halloween? It was oh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't know whether half of those people were dressed up for Halloween right. or not. Because there was a guy dressed like um, Smokey the Bear. And we couldn't figure that out. Because it was, no, it was November 1st. It was the day after Halloween. Okay. So we're like, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so the instructor's like, well, you're going to have to take notes. We took 15 pages of notes. 15 full pages of notes. Yes. In a comedy class. But before we even started it, he started to give us this lecture like, oh, I see you have coffees. You cannot have coffee in here. Yeah, he almost blew his O-ring because I had a cup of coffee in class. We both both had coffee. He's like, we are trying to keep these carpets nice. We cannot have coffee. You can only have clear liquids. And I'm like, well, this is what happened to Belushi. He came through Second City. He couldn't have coffee. So he's like, well, I guess I'll have heroin because that won't stain the carpets. Exactly. You know? Right. So so we start the class and it's just, it is, I have been in biology lectures that have been less serious. Right. Oh, I remember he, oh, the, here's the real funny part. He's looking around to make sure we all have paper. Right. And then we had to rip paper out to give to people who didn't bring paper. And then he had his baggie of pencils. I'll want these back. Yeah. Like, what? what? I'm sorry, what? With you? When I Googled him after the fact, I found out that he's actually a business professor at the University of Chicago, which explains so much. And smacks of not funny. Right. Yeah. Right. Smacks of not funny. But like 15 minutes into the class, this woman came in, this this, um, <laughs> this, this Asian woman came in. Oh, my God. And he asked her her name. She's like, well, then he said, what? And then he got a little closer. She's, and then finally he gets a little closer even. And, he, and then all of a sudden I hear him say, what, your name is Concern? Which, of course. And he's stunned by this. But the man was has stunning. an. As an Indian name. I mean, yeah. he didn't have, like, he wasn't, like... He had a very long Indian name. Louis Anderson, he was... Concern yeah, he, shouldn't have thrown him. Right. I right. mean, bec- 
it, it was it was odd. And what was funny, make, make the comment you oh. made about her, which so concern came and sat down next to me, right? And the funny thing about Concern was that for her to have her name, she did not give a fuck. No. Like, she was looking around the class. She was uninterested. She was upset because the people across the hall who were doing an improv class sounded like they were having fun. Everyone was having fun except for us. Then we went on our break, and he took us on a tour of the fire escapes, which cracked me up. And then you're like, well, you know, they did have that big fire here. Oh, well, whatever, Okay, though. now I it's mean, less funny. We don't need to go on a field trip. And then remember, he took us... There was another show going on upstairs. Oh, and bar. we took us by a bar. We're like, oh, we should get a glass of wine. Oh, no, you can't have wine. Yeah. What? I'm like, look, dude, you're trying to inhibit my coffee. Now you're trying to take me my wine. You like, are... What? You, you, the definition of you was not fun. And then the great irony is that everyone in our class is high all the time. Constantly. Constantly. Like one of our friends came in and he, he asked me, he's like, hey, do I smell like pot? Well, yeah, you smelled like you just jumped into a big pile of it mm-hmm. and, rolled and rolled around. around. Yeah. You know? But, and, and they're very open about yeah, their... Because it's not a big deal in the state of Illinois now. It's it's definitely not a big deal in, in California now. It's oh. like, yeah, smoke up. Literally. Yeah, you might want to move there if you're yeah. interested in that. Because but now it's recreate. Uh, you I, know, anyway. I... I have to be honest though, I, I am so I'm so glad we took this class, even though no one has, has gotten me to, to, to just say yes. Um, and they don't seem to mind that I, I don't want to smoke pot. But otherwise this class really has has changed my perspective on so many things. Like my intention going into this, because you you know me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys who've read me, you, I'm your classic mean girl. Put me in a situation that is unfamiliar and I will make fun of everyone and I will I will entertain you all with it. But that's what I do. I mean, I report and mock. Yeah, you know what? It's been interesting. And I sort of, since I've been at Second City, I knew that when you are in class with people in Second City, because you're digging so deep, you tend to fall in love with the people that you're in class with. And you didn't tell me that. And, well, you you were... (laughs) There's a lot of things that you've definitely gone through your own little genocides. I really have. Like, I I, I will fight to death for these people. Like, don't you make fun of them. I love them too much. She loves them to death. Because we're in there, like, laying all of our insecurities bare. Like, there was the class where we had to... um, We had to do a set. It didn't even have to be funny. We just had to talk about, like, these traumatic things that happened. Right. to us and we like i'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of you now no i'm right, gonna keep you your secrets yeah you exactly know? some of them were a little off-putting but i mean for the most part you just end up having more compassion for these yeah, people than anything like, i see the world from your perspective now and that was really cool yeah that was cool and, and you know what you guys who anyone who's listening who really 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 knows jen <laughs> you will be amazed to learn that we have a text group among the people that we're in class with. Like, there's about seven of us that are on this text group. Jen participates. I could never get Jen to no. even read a text message. No. One day I had to look at Jen's phone for some reason, and I noticed there was a text message that I had sent her two, two weeks years ago. earlier. Oh, no. two, years. two years? Oh, yeah, and I don't look at them. That you've never seen. But I, I like, look well, at them there now. There goes that note. And now she looks and she responded and and you sent you sent a picture. I know. It's it, I didn't even know you knew how to do that. It's a whole new world. It was it's, insane. It's a slippery slope that they have 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 taken me down. Yeah. It's so, lovely. Now, I, I that's probably the most one of the most valuable parts for me. What has been like the most valuable part of this experience for you? Just kind of getting 
people always tell me, they're like, oh, you're so funny. You should do stand up. And I always maintain that I'm, I'm really way more conversationally funny than I am stand up on the stage and be funny. I could never have really seen myself getting up on the stage and doing that. And it's still not the most comfortable thing for me to do. But when you have done it, you've killed. I'm not sure they killed. Well, flesh would beg to differ. Okay. He, he, well, I'm trying. And I'm getting over kind of the fear of getting up and doing it. He thought it. your stuff was, we had a we had a performance, and he thought your stuff was the best. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Fletch. Um, I had fun doing it, though. I mean, I had to, I had to get over. It's going to blow. It's going to blow. No, we always have this beepy thing. In the, yeah, at least we don't have the, the, the snow blower or leaf <sighs> blower going tonight. God, yeah, I know. There's, it's too cold to blow anything outside tonight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but no, I, I was, I'm trying to get over my fear of it, and I think that it, it feels better as it goes. So, yeah. I, you know, getting to know myself a little better is always a good thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it's working for me. How about you? Uh, you know, this has been... Okay, so the beeping is stopped. stopped. This okay. has been good for my soul, mm-hmm. honestly, because I am connecting with people that I would never meet and now I can't imagine not having them in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I can't get over how valuable it has been to see the world from someone else's perspective. Now, from from a career point, I don't know. That's, that is more murky. I think my mind right now is still reeling from learning everything you can and can't say. Like, I'm not I'm not sure what to do now professionally because I'm, I'm editing myself so hard. I'm actually kind of amazed at how comedy has changed um, just in the course of my own lifetime. It just and how things have changed in even the last 10 years. Like, look at movies. You could never put Superbad out now. Oh, no. We talked about Soul Man. Oh, well, Jesus explode. Christ, Soul Man. Take, like, and you go back to the comics that my dad liked. When I was little, I'd go through my dad's records. Your dad was, I'm sure, listening to Richard Pryor and, and George Pryor Carlin. And, and Bill Cosby was even a little, well... We see how that turned out. But he was a little dirtier than you might think um, back in the day. And just... That was some foreshadowing. That was some we didn't know. Up. Or even the Dice Man. Remember Andrew Dice Clay? He was the most shocking thing we'd ever heard. And now he's he's actually kind of tame. He is tame. But people, Little Boy Blue, he needed the money. It's <laughs> always my favorite. He tackled stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he tackled stuff. And you were allowed to to make fun of things. But I don't ever think it was mean-spirited. Right. You know, and now, ugh, Christ, I don't know where to draw the line now. Well, that's the challenge. Know? That's the challenge. I mean, you know, there was this great article on The Atlantic a few years ago, and we'll post the link because it's really worth reading. Um, the author was making the point about how humorless college students are right now. And it's the truth. They have no senses of humor whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, d- didn't you tell me that people like Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld won't even set foot on, on college campuses now? I did. And here's the thing. Even for the youngest comedians, a college gig is great, according to the article. It pays really well. But I have to wonder if it's worth the trouble. Well, how so? Well, Caitlin Flanagan, not to be confused with Caitlin Jenner. Haha. Completely um, different. Caitlin Flanagan, the author of this article, uh, went to Minneapolis for this National Association for Campus Activities. What is that? Sounds super sucky. Um, Basically, all the collegiate activity directors go to this thing, and they have a huge stand-up showcase. Um, There are more than 350 colleges there with the intention of booking acts. Now, now that sounds kind of awesome. Like, it would be really cool. Yeah, but it's not. Because the issue is that all these campuses, what they want is comedy that's risk-free. And the people who are booked are the ones whose comedy doesn't trigger or upset or trouble. I mean, listen, here's a quote from the article, okay? Okay. As I listened to the kids hash out whom to invite, it became clear that to get work, a comedy 
a comic had to be at once funny, genuinely funny, and also deeply respectful of a particular, particular set of beliefs. These beliefs included, but were in no way limited to the following. Women as a group should never be made to feel uncomfortable. People whose sexual orientation falls below the spectrum of heterosexuality must be reassured of their special value. Racial injustice is best addressed in tones of bitter anguish or inspirational calls to action. Muslims are friendly helpers whom we should cherish and belonging to any potentially marginalized community involves a crippling hypersensitivity that must always be respected. That sucks, right? That, that's everything. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's everything. Mm-hmm. I, so what you're telling me is they're not, they're not booking Andrew Dice Clay. No. Mm-mm. And you know, George Carlin built his career on colleges, but I can't imagine if he were alive today that any of these kids would book him. Um, the article's author makes the point that this generation... Which which are Zillennials or Generation Z and not our nice millennial buddies. I love that we have someone new to hate. I know, we do. <laughs> and this general, this this Zillennial or whoever the hell they are, um, they're the stick in the mud. Um, they're the stick in the mud generation. The author makes the point that the generation... They're the ones, I get it, they're the ones who have ruined young adult. Like Yes, they, they are. They are the same ones who are just so triggered and angry by everything that it's really, really inhibiting free speech um, in books. It is, because our millennial friends have great senses of humor. They do. The, the Zillennials are the ones that we're having trouble with, so you know that eradicates, that eradicates everything that we were talking about earlier. But the author makes the point that Generation Z has become so accustomed to having their whims and, aff- and their affectations catered to that they can't take it when someone challenges their thought processes. Mm. They have to be constantly supported and championed, and every single joke has to be supported and inclusive this this right here is why the green box of cards against humanity sucked. oh my okay if anyone plays cards against humanity which we do every it's been our tradition for like what four or five years now easily yeah however long it's been out we've been playing it yeah on thanksgiving having a great time until... and every year like we get whatever the new expansion right. box is and it's always really funny and it's topical exactly because you know we know all the cards and blah 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 so we were excited we were i went and bought i did it the green box okay it's not your fault that it sucked yeah but don't if anyone's listening just don't don't buy yeah. the green box it blows it was all well whatever we can talk about it um it's you know it was just it was so awful it's traumatizing there was there were it was people were afraid to make any sort of jokes except for dick jokes or jokes about the patriarchy. Like, okay, one of those, I guess, is fine. But like 15 in a row? I, no. It was, no. It was even to the point where the dick jokes were so ri- ridiculous <laughs> that I was like, what is even, it's not even clever. It's no. just a dick joke. No, it's just... For it, the sake of it. It Like, lowest common denominator. Yeah. Now, are, are you a Gaffigan fan? I don't really watch Gaffigan. Okay, well, mm-hmm. he he might be a little too albino for you. I mean, it's, there, there's a... <laughs> l- yeah. But when his show was on um, TV Land a couple years ago, uh-huh. uh, he did an episode where he went to these underground comedy clubs, which are basically like three 20 year olds standing around in a room and when he finally like went up and did a joke one of them is like we feel like punchlines are too confrontational and here's the thing he is vanilla he is so vanilla he um the punchlines are always at his own expense and he he is a master of observational comedy like 
like how he hates to stay at other people's houses and they smell weird and is like, you guys making vitamins in here? Like he, he can, he's one of the few guys that can work really clean Mm -hmm. and still be devastatingly funny. And I thought this was actually very subversive of him to, because you don't ever think of him as controversial, but he actually called out what he didn't like what's going on in comedy now in his very non-controversial way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of comics are calling attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like you hear Chris Rock and you hear um, like Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld, how yeah. they don't go to college campuses yeah. because they made their living. Um, you know, Chris Rock will, will make fun of someone mercilessly. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Oh but, yeah. But not to this, not to this new audience. No. It isn't. Um, so, so what's the issue? Well, I think that comedy comes at a cost. Comedy stems from pain, and when you take away that element, there's something that's missing, right? Yeah. Comedy is tragedy plus time, right? That's yeah. the equation. Yeah. So there's nothing behind it if there's no pain. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll laugh at a joke about Costco, but I'm not going to remember it. It's right. just some dumb joke. Right, right. Now, Fletch and I, like, we we have been big comedy fans forever. And we both still quote lines from Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer because it's one of the greatest things I've ever heard. I mean, it was so unbelievably memorable. Like, his edge is what made him funny. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why you see him doing other stuff now. Yeah. You know, it's just not fun. Right. He has a, you know, he had a very good edge. But, oh, to finish up with Flanagan's article... What's really scary is that if a comic comes on stage and ends up saying something that offends the collegiate audience, despite their best efforts, there's hell to pay. How so? These kids call the comics agent, the student <laughs> activities director, and every college where the comic's supposed to appear next, and it's scorched earth's policy. Uh, that's insane. If you don't, if you don't like it, that's one thing, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't exist. So, what does Generation Z find funny now? Dick jokes. You know, I, I don't I don't understand what's going on. I think one of the things that people maybe don't realize is that on the whole, comics are not inherently the happiest people. Uh, uh-uh. You know? To to get a little bit inside baseball, like those who do stand up are considered comics. The people the term comedians refers to anybody who does something to make you laugh, whether it's like whether they're hosting a talk show, like Conan O'Brien is a comedian, or they're acting in a funny movie, Bill Murray is a comedian, or they're doing improv or a funny song like Tenacious D. So if you have like a, a Venn diagram, all comics are comedians, but not all comedians are comics. I, I realize that no one cares, <laughs> but I want to mention it because this is like within the, the stand-up community, this is a thing. So anyway, um, a few years ago, The Atlantic ran an article. I... I feel like I should have subscribed to The Atlantic, by the way. I think you should. And yeah, they said that the mortality rate for comics or comedians are higher than those serving in the military. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think about it, right? Think about so the comics many. or the comedians. That so have many have committed suicide. Commit. Robin Williams, mm-hmm. um, Richard Jenny, Platypus Man, Greg Gerardo. Oh, I liked. Uh, yeah, I liked him, but heroin is not not your friend. Well. Not a lot of them have overdosed, right? Yeah. On top well, to, of... To, I think to anesthetize themselves because they're not happy. Um, Drake Sather. Mm-hmm. Charles Rocket. Yep. It, that's a lot. One? Well, okay. Well, we know that Belushi OD'd. Yeah. That, I mean, he was a comedian. He's a comedian. Yeah, there's... Uh, there's 
There's I, a lot of pain in, in in comedy. There's a lot of it because and I in, in our stand up class and we had to dig deep and like that was hard. It was because people you know, were I crying. Learned, here's what I learned about myself. Here was my pivotal moment. I, I realized that my life was not that damn traumatic. Yeah, me too. I, I really I was digging. <laughs> Hashtag deep. me too. Yeah. Well, Can't yeah. joke about that. Can't joke about that according to Dave Chappelle. Um, <laughs> but I realized that I've had a walk in the park in comparison oh, yeah. to what a lot of people have suffered or yeah. have, have made it through. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, comedy is how people deal with things, mm-hmm. you know? It is. Well, well, on that happy note, I think that we should move on to our last call portion of the show. The good news is that when we come back, we are going to talk about my new boyfriend, Jay, Dave Chappelle, who, who <laughs> might very well be our, our last great hope. Yes. Brizzake. Welcome back to Stories We'd Tell in Bars with me, Jen Lancaster, and my partner, Gina B. Okay, so I'm now obsessed with Dave Chappelle. Years ago, I was doing uh, I was doing a bookstore event, and some were really random in Ohio, like Columbus, but not actually Columbus. And right before I got to the store, Dave Chappelle had been shopping there because huh. I, I came in and all my readers had run into him. They're like, "Holy shit, Dave Chappelle was just here!" And in my narcissistic little brain, I'm like, "Well, how great can he be if he's at this random bookstore in Ohio?" It was actually a really nice bookstore, but the part of Ohio we were in was really not great. Hmm. So that was, that was like my only impression of him. See, but now you've seen the light. You mm-hmm. realize you're like a newly converted Catholic telling a bunch of nuns how great the Virgin Mary is. Right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of that. They're like, have you heard of this fellow named Jesus? <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. We're, we're married to him. Yeah, exactly. We know. So let's talk about his two new Netflix specials. See, I didn't realize that there were two. I knew that he had a new Netflix special, but I didn't. I only, I watched the first one, the um, not the bird one. What was the other one? The expect X. What is that one called? Uh, what was that called, Lee? Do you remember? I don't know. I watched that I on New Year's it. Eve, and I was crabby, and it still made me happy. Uh-huh. And then I realized that there was a second one. So. I was delighted. I mean, but this this had an impact on you because I've been watching your social media. Oh, I love Dave Chappelle. Always have. I mean, it's it's just he to me is one of the most um, intelligent. He's so comics. Smart. And if you notice, you're not laughing the whole time. Like he, no. he spends a lot of time in setup. I mean, he's really more spoken word. You know? Well, okay, spoken word without that annoying sort of cadence. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, spoken word like Henry Rollins is spoken word. Right, exactly. He's giving more speeches that happen to have funny parts. But he's he's delivering a message. But not everyone shares our opinion. He's getting a lot of backlash from... That is so surprising. I mean, because the things he's saying are really really common sense. And And he's just trying to explain, like his thoughts on things like he he made the point um he did this whole thing about transgenders in an um a, a special that had come out before and maybe i'm not sensitive because i'm not transgender um I, I certainly support transgender people i am very concerned for them because they have such a high suicide rate it has to be hard mm-hmm. i get it so 
maybe I'm just not being sensitive enough, but I didn't think he said anything that was terrible. And he made the point, like, it shouldn't have been easier for Caitlyn Jenner to change her sex than Cassius Clay to change his name. Absolutely. Oh, that was, I mean, because I think what he's really doing is, is taking a big finger and pointing it at society saying... This is fucked up. Right. We can't talk about this, but this is fucked up. And yeah. I have so much respect for that, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's very good at, at, at illustrating, you know, institutional racism and, you know, just kind of the obvious. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not obvious to a lot of people, which that's kind of the problem, which is what he's pointing well, out. Well, here's the thing. Right? Like, I, um, we had uh, dinner with our friends last week and we were talking about, uh, we're talking about the minimum wage and I didn't know that the minimum wage was initially set up because of racism. I had no idea. I had, um, like, our friend was explaining this to me, and I, I feel like I'm educated. I feel like I know things. But every day I find out exactly how much I don't know. Like, like black kids were working for a lower wage, so they were getting all the jobs. They were getting the experience. They were moving ahead, and then racists were like, well, no, we no, can't no. have that. Mm-mm. Everybody needs to be paid the same rate. So then people were just defaulting to white people. And it, then like the unions were the same way. I don't know you if you, you can't get in. I didn't, I, I mean, it's still, I'm still learning just how deeply entrenched we have been in, in, in racism and how unfair this system has been. I didn't know. Yeah, you no, know? it's, it's, it's really, for some people, they'll see it as, as, it's moving in very subtle ways for the people that are affected by it. it it's not, um, yeah. but this is not anything that, that we didn't know people yeah. who are affected by racism. And then what's, what's interesting is that we can find ways to laugh at it. Yeah. And, um, that's obviously not aligned with <laughs> where our comedy shit's going right now. Well, so. what's interesting is just the people <clears throat> who are mad at him, it's it's interesting how many of them are people of color mm-hmm. that don't like what he's saying. And that was like people who were just like real social, social justice warriors. Like you do so many things that I respect and yet you don't, you're not giving him any credit for raising a counterpoint. Right. You know? Well, I think that, you know, as a, as a good comic... Um, he's doing his job. Yeah. Um, because if you don't make somebody a little bit uncomfortable, um, I, I feel like you're not doing your job. He's challenging the status quo. And he what is. I think, what I think is so powerful is how personal everything is to him. I think, again, this is like the the what I've gotten this year or this from this class is that seeing the world through his perspective. I think is so valuable. Mm-hmm. You know and. Everything he said has been so rational, so I don't understand why people are losing their minds for him speaking his truth, especially with the whole Me Too stuff. People don't like the truth. They Mm. don't like the truth in general. I tell you what, I lose followers every day on Facebook because of the truth. Yeah. Honestly, I do. I don't care, but I do. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, the other day I think I posted on Facebook, you know, I only lost one follower today. I consider that progress. (laughs) Um, You know, people don't like it. And, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but the other problem, too, is that we're in a society where people feel like they should opine on yeah. everything. And they feel like those those students that are calling yeah. the agents and like, don't book this person, they feel like their opinion should be meaningful enough to have financial impact yeah. on someone. So, and that, that's kind of... That is really scary for someone like me that this is how I make my living. Exactly. You're going to go recruit your candidates. You're fine. I mean, while I'm, I'm terrified 
as to what I can even find funny. Like th- he he talked a lot about um, like the whole Me Too movement and mm-hmm. was really like so clear that he doesn't want women to be victimized. And he gave this great example that when he was like he was doing a lot of work like doing comedy for drug dealers so they could launder their money through him right. and he went home one night carrying a backpack full of $25,000 is like this is what it's like for a woman every day you know carrying something of this sort of value is like that was terrifying i've never been more afraid in my life mm-hmm. i mean so i really got the feeling that he understood and he was compassionate but at the same point he said there were some women who were complicit in this oh yeah i will i will you know do whatever with Harvey Weinstein because it got me a job. He's like, what I think is happening in a few of these cases is it's buyer's remorse. And that made me bark. <laughs> that made me bark with laughter. And I'm just thinking of like some of the feminists in our classes, they're, they're, their head's exploding. But like, no, you oh, can't yeah. say this. You can't say this. But I don't know that he was wrong. And then he brought up the stuff about South Africa, again, which is why I think he's so smart, that when you're part of a whole system that is how did he even describe it like part of a whole system that is chaotic and bad you can't hold the individual actors responsible right. you have to take on the system and i think that's what he's doing yeah you no, know that's the truth that's it's true I, I love every every method he has yeah. of of talking about it um and you know he he's come from a place where you know, he, he dropped off the scene for years. Yeah. And he probably, I mean, if you don't, since you don't know Dave Chappelle so well. I didn't know a thing about him. <laughs> I just knew he was in Ohio for a while. But he talks about it in his stand-up. Yeah, he yeah. probably, you know, Dave Chappelle went crazy. You know, I mean, and. I don't think he did. And he didn't. I think he and had enough. I think, exactly. I mean, well, here's the thing. When you make your living as a social commentator, which is essentially what he is. Yeah. He's not there telling dick jokes. I mean, sometimes he might, but, yeah. but that's not his platform. No. Um, and then you've got somebody telling you, hey, you need to talk about this and you need to talk about that. And the next thing you know, you know you're know, you being shoved in directions that you don't necessarily want to go yeah. in. Um, that's pressure. Mm-hmm. And and that can, that can be very maddening. And so, you know, listen, I was upset because I loved Chappelle's show. Mm-hmm. It was just... A great show. Was I, it just skits? I don't even know. Yeah, it was sketches. It was, um, you know, he would have performances. I mean, it was hysterical. He had like recurring uh, characters, and you need to go. Was it dig, like in Living Color? In the crates. Or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was kind of like okay, in Living okay. Color. Dig in the crates and okay. uh, and check it out. Because and in fact, I want to dig in the crates, check it out again because I really I missed it. Um, I miss it. Uh, yeah, that's enough to to drive you a little cuckoo. So I'm not mad at him, but he comes from a place of, you know, basically I don't give a fuck because yeah. I, I was on top, I dropped out, I'm building back, I'm going to say what I want to say, everybody yeah. can kiss my ass. Yeah, OPS, yeah. I'm smoking on stage in this particular and venue. And he's vaping. Go fuck yourself. Well, well, the one, when he was sitting down, Bird, I th- didn't he have an actual cigarette? Yeah, he smoked cigarettes quite productively. We've yeah. actually met him. So What's he like in person? Quiet, like all comedians are. Well, because they listen, they're paying attention. Yeah, and they're not... Comedians, in my opinion, very rarely are they on like that. Yeah. All the time. I met Chris Rock once years ago, and he was chill. Is he bite-sized? He's, yeah. Okay. He's a little guy. Um, he, I'm trying to think if we're the same height or if he's, he's I think, slightly taller. Okay. Um, you and I are the same height. So, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, he's slightly, he's a little taller, but he's, he's a thin dude. And this is probably in his leaner years. I met him a long time ago. Okay. But Dave Chappelle was great. 
Um, nice guy. Smoked quite a bit. So you never um, know what he's really vaping up there. I, people vape cigarettes. God bless. Um, my cousin vapes cigarettes all the time. Um, my cousin who's in Cirque du Soleil yeah. um, smokes a lot. And so he, who knows? But I think that there's a good percentage of other stuff. That no, is, wait. We talked about this before, but I forget. Is yeah, vaping right. where you can make it taste like pineapple? You can. Okay. Okay. Like well, anything. maybe maybe he is just having a pina colada. Maybe. He's having his own version of a pina colada. So here here's a... Going back to like what he says and what's controversial and why people are mad, here's where I personally get hung up. I mean, I you know I'm just really now coming to grips with the amount of privilege that I've had. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I don't 100 percent know what to do with that. And now I don't know what's okay to say, you know. And mm-hmm. what what is so unfortunate is that I think it's keeping us from having conversations with people who aren't exactly like us because right. we're so on edge. So my question is, how is anyone going to learn or experience something new if we confine ourselves to our own tiny groups? Yeah. You know? Well, what bothers me is the default mode now that if you don't agree is to shout the other person down. So it's not, no one's passively disagreeing. Everyone's right. actively disagreeing. Right. Which is where it gets to be a little sketchy. You know, it gets a little dangerous and, and things can be more amplified than they should be as opposed to you know if someone if there is a teachable moment right and someone's open to it yeah it's always better to be able to sit the person down and say hey listen you know what that maybe wasn't okay to say right let me tell you why right now i respect your right to make a joke about it but let me give you what the deeper implication is etc etc we're not doing that right now no we're not doing that at all you know, um, you're it, wrong it, and you're branded a whateverist, and that's a, it. Exactly. You're a sexist. You're a racist. You're a misogynist. You're, you know. And I don't even know that you have to say something derogatory about somebody who's other than you. If you even mention it, then it's then it's your whatever. Exactly. By even acknowledging it exists. So, and you can't be. How do I put this? You can't care about everything, right? Yeah. You, a person. You have your own set of issues that you care about. Right. And it's fine. It's okay. It just, is it just what hill you want to die on at this point? At this point, it, it, well, no one's going to not let you die on their hill. Yeah. So people will say, oh, well, I don't like you because you don't understand, you know, the feminist viewpoint. Right. Well, bitch, I don't have the feminist view. I mean, you know, right. w- I'm supposed to be all on top of that. I've got this other piece of my life that I'm trying to live. It's like yeah. you can't care about everything. So instead of assuming that a person knows and don't care and doesn't mm-hmm. care, then why can't you just assume they just don't know? Right. And and maybe this is a teachable moment. Well, like the first night we went out to dinner with um, with this girl in our class who was a lesbian, the first thing she did was order fish tacos, which cracked which me up. And then I'm like, oh my God, can I say that? She's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm cool with it. This is, you know, it was funny. Right. It was funny. And she was talking about like, oh, every lesbian in the world drinks the Lagunitas IPA. And then there was a guy ahead of me in the grocery store a week later. I'm like, he must be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't even say that out loud because no one knows the context to this. And this is, this is, this woman is someone that I really like and that I want to support. And I think that she's going to be huge in comedy because be. she's so talented and she is And just, she's so confident. See, the difference right. is she is super confident in who she is. And so any little joke you're going to make about fish tacos, doesn't really matter. Well, and that, that, that's her set too. Yeah. I mean, it's so I, I don't know where the line is. I don't know what's okay and what's not okay. Like our text group, we we had a bit of oh, yeah. a kerfuffle because somebody made a joke and it it 
landed badly and then it turned into a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, it's God, a, it's a, a thing. thing. And it escalated. I'm just watching it, my phone. It escalated like, so quickly. How did this get here? I mean, it got... Well... In the day it took me to check my phone, it went bananas. Well, first of all, okay, I love texting just as much as the next person. Sometimes I consider it my primary form of communication. Right. But I don't agree with it for many conversations that are serious. Had we been sitting down, because it was a whole group of us that had sat down and had drinks many times, and someone had said the one thing, which I didn't think was terrible, it didn't even occur to me it was terrible, and then someone st- took a step back and said, well, here's how this is. Like, oh, I see it now, I understand. But if we'd been speaking face-to-face, it wouldn't have blown up. Right, it wouldn't have blown up at all. People would have thought it was funny. It was, um, for people who are listening, um, just so we're not talking around issues, Yeah, it was... There was a misunderstanding about a comment right. that was construed as racist. Right. Which, eh, I mean, it was there was a blanket statement involved, but I can't, I can't say that it wasn't typed out or said yeah. um, with a lot of tongue in cheek. Yeah. And the person who read it was on ten. And yeah. I don't know what was going on in his day or whatever, but he took it. And it's it, someone we like so much. And we love him to death, but it was amplified when it didn't need to be amplified. And then he ended up insulting an entirely different person right. who didn't have anything to do with the previous right. conversation. So it's like this seven-person text message, and it all got crazy. And then... It was a shitstorm. It was a complete shitstorm. And so the I'm whole time, I'm like, this is it. why I don't text. Uh-huh. This it, is, and you were validated. You're ruining it <laughs> for me. It was ruined. It was ruined um, because we, we really had a harmonious group. Yeah. And then one comment... But it was also, if someone had just taken a step back and like, okay, let's make this a teachable moment. Here's why Mm -hmm. this isn't okay. Exactly. You know? But I think the person who took it to the, to the, the high level was not about to come down off of that. No. I think that he he had gotten to a place where he was way too excitable and too excited. And, um, it, it just, it turned in, I I still am considering it just having a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's. It's unnecessary, and he doesn't need to. If he felt that badly about it, he doesn't need to. And so right. I'm concerned about that. Like, you don't need to feel this badly about that comment because it wasn't There's that no one was coming at anything in this group without love. No. You know, it was just... It was, yeah. It was bad. Um, what's really funny is that the only group you can go after right now are white men. Right. Which right. the white men in our class are like, damn, does nobody like us? They were just... <laughs> the white men in our class were just so sad. They're they like, are. we're... We're sorry. And one of the one of the kids that we were with afterwards, he's like, oh, I just feel so bad. I'm like, don't worry, honey. You're going to run the world. You'll be good. He's like, yeah. oh, that makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> you can just walk around you know? with that knowledge. Whatever we say yeah. about you, you're straight. Like, yeah. you got this. Yeah. So, so, you know, the only thing that gives me hope right now that? is that I read on Yahoo that Saudi Arabia just had their first comedy festival. Like, up until recently, this country didn't even <laughs> recognize comedy as an art form, they had no awareness whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, culturally, um, there has not been a lot of looking inward at themselves and finding any humor. Right. Can, and people don't. People don't tend to... There are a lot... See, this a lot is of, us being like, there's a like lot of how do we not ins- say things? Right, exactly. I'm sitting here like, ugh, totally inarticulate. Um, I think in insular groups... It's okay when people can can joke. Like maybe among yeah. the citizens of Saudi Arabia, they can joke about their culture. Well, I like that they're ju- they're trying to bring some laughs over there, and I think yeah. that 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 
they haven't had a ton of laughs. And what I think is particularly cool is that they had women in the club. Like, mm-hmm. the women sat on a separate side of the of aisle, they but did. they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, they were there, and, okay, yes, the the comics avoided topics like sex and religion and politics, but you know what? In in this day and age, maybe that's for the best. I give them an A-plus for effort. <sighs> so what's our thesis statement here? I I think my take is that we have to be able to laugh at ourselves, have a little thicker skin, have not ha- have not a brittle spirit. I mean, that's when the thing Chappelle said again and again is like, you know, you have a brittle spirit. If you can't just take one step back and laugh at yourself, then I think we're fucking doomed. What do you think? I think so, too. I think that, you know, there's a lot of pain kind of at the forefront of this issue. Yeah. So comedy is derived from pain, quite honestly. Um but the reaction to the comedy is also derived from pain. And here's the thing right now. I think as, as compassionate people, people want other people to feel less pain. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but some of that shit is damned funny. Yeah. I mean, some of it is. I mean, honestly, um, there are certain situations that are just inherently humorous. Now, what you do with them is a whole different issue. Yeah, right? you, you can make some fat jokes about jokes about fat girls, and you know what? They're funny. Yes, to me, I'm a funny. fat girl, and they're funny to me because I did spend New Year's Day with a cake. You know <laughs> that that there is no part of that that is untrue. But like, see, you're confident. Now, yeah. think about if if this was an issue that plagued your life. Yeah. If you were just ashamed by sitting around, like you enjoyed that cake. Oh my you, God, it was I amazing. I you enjoyed it. it I know Jesus. you. <laughs> it's like the best cake I've ever had, honest to See, God. See, this is the thing. But if, if this were something that you were hiding or something bad And I'm going to put that in the diet spank back from, from when I'm just eating right, cherries like, or yeah, something. Or, like that cake was amazing. Exactly. So if, if that were a, a source of pain or shame for you, then you may feel differently if somebody joked yeah. about it. So it, it really, I think that, you're right. People need to develop thicker skins. I think that you need to learn to laugh at yourself. Everything's not the end of the world. Um, I think that when you can laugh at something about yourself, it makes you take a different course of action. I think when you acknowledge it, it gives you the power back. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't like this about myself. This is something about myself that is funny. And instead of being, you know, quiet or ashamed about it, I'm just going to own it. Right. Totally on it. Why is Lee smirking? Lee's oh, smirking. Lee's always. Lee's reading something on his oh, he's phone. Oh, read, he's not laughing at he's us. He's not paying attention. Sorry, we're not amusing you. With the- <laughs> I very rarely amuse. Well, I don't abuse Lee. Well, I think, I think that's going to do it for us. Yes. And you and I are off to build bridges with millennials through comedy and also through wine and french fries. Yes. Mostly comedy. Let's not go crazy with the wine and french fries because we're still in the throes of our fitness challenge. Don't forget, stories we tell in bars, fitness challenge if you want on Facebook if you want to jump in. So far, so good. Um, you know, we have been posting our successes and, and talking about stuff. So join us if you'd like. And with that, this has been Stories We Tell in Bars with Gina B. and Jen Lancaster. Thanks to DJ Lee Farmer, who's not paying attention to us, even though he is mastering the mix. And thanks also to... Oh, he is laughing. He is paying attention. Thanks also to iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play. Now, do us a favor. If you like what you hear, please do rate us on iTunes, as that will help other listeners find us. For more about me, you can check out jenlancaster.com. You can keep up with Gina at imginab.com. You can email us at storieswetellinbars at gmail.com and participate in our challenge. Join our Facebook page. We're, we're here. We're, we're here. everywhere. 
But we, we are ubiquitous. But we're about to not be here. <laughs> now, you don't have to go home. But you got to get the hell out of here. 